This week's episode is brought to you by Campaign Refinery, an amazing new email marketing automation tool. Look, in the world of digital marketing, there's a lot to keep track of. We all know this. As much as we're in love with social media and the power of social conversation here at Social Link and on the All About Digital Marketing podcast, we are well aware at just how powerful email marketing can be. Email marketing is not dead. In fact, it's never been more important to help you leverage your presence everywhere else into the one channel that you'll own, regardless of what changes Facebook, Twitter, or any other platform makes in the future. I've known the founder, Travis Ketchum, for years, and he's been a past guest on the podcast, episode 15, if you want to listen to it. I've personally used his other products before, and they've been fantastic. The amount of thought that he's put into each and every one of what he's created has been incredible. I'd highly encourage you to try their free 14-day trial at campaignrefinery.com to see what world-class email marketing automation can do for you and your business. Massive thank you to Travis and Campaign Refinery for their support of the All About Digital Marketing show. Welcome to the All About Digital Marketing podcast. The show all about digital marketing, digital marketing, digital marketing, digital marketing. Brought to you by Socialink, a digital marketing agency specializing in social media and content marketing for brave brands and forward-thinking SMEs. I'm your host, Chris Bruno, and as always, we're here to bring you the most actionable tips, tricks, tools, and insights to help you achieve more when it comes to your digital marketing. Subscribe to the show and be sure to share with a friend if you found something useful or interesting. You can find all the show notes and more information on www.allaboutdigitalmarketing.co.uk. George, thank you so much for joining me today. Thank you, Chris. It's exciting to be here. Great show, and I look forward to this conversation to come. This is going to be good. I am looking forward to it. Before we get started, and we're going to be talking about all sorts of things, and we've already mentioned to each other that we both like a rabbit hole to discover. But before we jump into that, can you tell everyone a little bit about yourself and also how did you get to this point? Okay. Uh, Great question. Uh, I definitely didn't, you know, in high school say, hey, I want to be a digital marketer. Uh, Fun fact, I actually, in fifth grade, I found a journal um, and I had to write a paragraph about a topic and that topic ended up being marketing. And I wrote about how I felt marketing was the most evil industry in the whole world. <laughs> and now and it, you're a big part of it. <laughs> right. Right. It's funny. I don't think I've actually ever told anyone like publicly that like my friends, sure. But anyways, uh, it talked all about how monar- marketing is manipulation and yada, yada. And exactly now we're part of it. And I like to see myself as kind of the white knight in the marketing world. I'm sure you feel the same. And there's just a lot of, I, f- I feel like COVID since COVID, I don't want to go into this tangent, but you know, everyone with a laptop's now a marketer and I've been doing this for seven years now. And the reason I got into it was because I was, I had a background in marketing and promotions, but not a technical background. And I was, I was in a position where I was helping uh, a partner, uh, mentor open up a venue. And I was in charge of all the marketing and I got him to invest a bunch of money into a website. 
through a friend of mine, a connection, and then they never came through with the site. And we're opening night, and I'm like, where's the website? <laughs> so obviously, I was going to get more money for the website. So I had to go figure it out. And I taught myself how to build sites. You know, really, it was WordPress themes, and I learned how to tweak CSS, taught myself HTML and uh, CSS. And and I really enjoyed it. I was able to knock out two sites because it's actually, it was a restaurant and a nightclub. So I did one for each and everyone was like, this is a beautiful site. And, you know, after that venture, uh, I saw the light at the end of the tunnel there. I had some friends who own businesses. Uh, the lady who actually cut my hair, Alicia, uh, was opening up uh, an e-com store. So I said, I'll do it for you. And then her husband had a, a contracting company. So I said, I'll do that for you. And then they had a bunch of friends and that turned into 30 websites in five years, or I'm sorry, 50 websites in three years. And then I got this consistent feedback. The sites are beautiful, but we're not getting the results we're looking for. And that there's just this feeling inside, like I'm not doing enough. Like I felt what I actually used to tell clients was if you build Rome, they will come. And that's so not the case. <laughs> you got to show them you have to go to your clients and digital marketing is what I figured out. You have to identify them. It's just like a business model. When we work with our businesses or with new clients before we get started, as I'm sure you do as well, you have to do the market research, figure out is the demand there in the first place, and then you build your plan around that. So I learned how to do that after the first three years. And then I discovered the beauty of a retainer-based model agency which is a lot better than jumping from one contract to the next, one website to the next. Talk about sleepless nights. <laughs> and that allowed me to hire some people to scale up. Um, you know, And so for the past four years, I have really, really obsessed over how to, to generate leads online. And we, we've tried, I did SEO when I was doing the websites. I also tried social organic in that time period. SEO, some wins, some, you know, some misses. Um, and then social organic. I thought if you put a ton of effort into it, it'll work. There's that's not the case. But a mentor told me that the reason I got into Google ads so so much is because he said he built his empire off of it. He built and sold a multi-million dollar company. And he said without Google ads, it wouldn't happen. And I was like, okay, there's something there then. And then I discovered Google gives you a bunch of data that you can play with, open source search data. And then it, I was like a kid in the candy store. So <laughs> I'm always the guy that needs to know everything in life. And so I just went down a major rabbit hole for the past three and a half years, built software around predictive analytics. And, you know, that's where we are now. There's so much to digest in here, but the... Yeah. Um... <laughs> Like I'm going to go back and start with the whole build it and they will come. I have seen this time and time again. I have spoken about this on this show so many times now. I don't remember, but it's one of the worst things in the world. And I hear founders do it. I hear companies do it with new projects and they spend thousands and thousands and thousands and hours and hours and hours, which equals more and more money. And at the end of it, they go live and they're like that. Wow. Yeah. No one wants this. And you're like that, wow, this is really powerful. But the story that I always end up going back to is Dropbox. Mm -hmm. And when he was, uh, uh, I think it's Drew, uh, when he first started Dropbox, 
he came up with the idea of having a landing page with a super simple email subscribe. And he explained roughly what the idea was. And would this be interesting? Like, would you be interested in something that allowed you to collaborate on files, that allowed you to share a file with different people, one thing or another? And at the time, I can't remember exactly now, years ago, but I think at the time it was something like 35,000 email subscribers within the first 15 days of him publishing a landing page that had nothing. He had never written a line of code, Mm. but you know, when you you do something like that and you see that kind of response, you're like that, right? I'm onto something. Mm. This is something that people want. So that is like the the first point that I think is huge that you just mentioned there. But then we're getting into Google AdWords. Google has so much data, let's be honest. And I know a lot of people that are listening to this possibly don't like the big tech giants for all the data they mine on us and everything else. As business owners, all this information equals we can know and we can look at and predict to a certain element, guesstimate maybe is the better word, Um, but we can predict what people look for, what people are searching for, how people do things online, and also how they behave online. So can you talk a little bit about in the sense of Google AdWords, if somebody's listening to this and they haven't started with Google AdWords, what's one of the ways to make sure that they don't waste their hard-earned cash very easily, very simply, very quickly? And what's some of the easy ways that they can get started? Oh, wow. You nailed it as far as how not to waste, right? When Google, I think there's a big, well, you don't know what you don't know in life. So we'll start there. And I think what's most important to know about Google Ads is that you have to understand Google's largest source of revenue is their ads. They're making over 200 million, maybe $300 million a day at this point um, off of their advertising. And so the way that they make that money is through when people click on the ad, right? And so when a user signs up, a novice first time user signs up, they're going to point you in the direction of saying, type in some keywords. Um, So I'm a landscaper, right? So I'll put in landscaper. I might put in hardscape, um, maybe paver patios, right? And then Google's going to say, great, thank you for that. Now give me some ad copy, some headlines, some text uh, descriptions. And they're going to then put your ad in front of anyone that their machine, let's just say machine, feels that associates or has any form of interest in clicking that ad, whether or not they actually have the intent and the keyword is intent here um, of making a purchase that they don't care about that part. It would be nice if they do make a purchase, but at the end of the day, what they really care about is that click. So if you're just starting out, the key is to avoid clicks, right? But that's not so easy to do. Um, because Google doesn't want you to avoid the clicks. They want to just put your ad wherever someone thinks that or they think will click. And so you really do need to take the time. It's, it's a very intense process, but at minimum, you can think of certain keywords like free, right? That you'd want to avoid. There is a negative keyword list. You can also Google um, specific negative keyword lists for your industry, right? When I first started out, that's what I did. Um, since then I've created a whole system, a whole software around how to build the ultimate campaign or account structure from scratch. But if I was to tell a business one thing, it would be make sure that you get your negative keywords straight. It's a, um, it always reminds me of back in the day, or even it still happens to me sometimes now, but you'll be talking to a small business or even a medium sized business. 
And you can tell that whoever it is that's running their website, for example, doesn't really, you know, they're not a hundred percent au fait with what's going on. They haven't kept up with things. And one of the key things is that it's that the old methodology of keyword stuffing that people used to do, right? Mm. <clears throat> so they'll be like that. Yeah, yeah, our website is optimized for here's the 600 keywords that we put into the metadata. And you're like that, the what now? Um, <laughs> and I think Google, like you said, again, again, it is a business. And I think maybe it is a little bit evil in that sense, because it's very easy to get carried away and to, for it to suggest more keywords. And great, you should add more keywords. And like you said, a lot of people don't know or understand what the implications of this is. And I want to come straight to the idea of intent. And this one, again, we've talked about this a lot on the show for everyone that's listening. But the reason I talk about it every time it comes up in conversation is because of how important it is. Mm. Somebody searching for what is digital marketing does not have the same intentions as somebody who's searching for a digital marketing agency. And this is something that I think is really important for people to kind of understand the breakdown. So I'm wondering, George, can you... Can you help people understand that very simplistically, the the levels of intent and how they differ so much? Sure. Absolutely. Yeah, that's huge. Uh, We actually break it down into three tiers, but just to keep it simple, I'm just going to talk about the two. The bottom, or actually, technically, when you talk about funnels, you enter at the top and then you, you basically close the deal or make a purchase at the bottom, right? So if you're buying at the bottom, then you're probably researching at the top, right? So the intent starts with research, right? And then at the bottom is purchase ready. And when it comes to search, Google ads, which is people typing into Google what they are interested in, whether it is researching a product or buying that product, you typically can tell. uh, Actually, I should say you can't typically tell more so the, the in between the third one I didn't mention, which is really the unknown. They could be researching they could be buying is about 70 to 80% we found. And it's usually about 10% purchase ready intent we can identify and about 10% research for sure. So the difference there in an exact example is if someone is searching for a top quality landscaper near me, right? If someone's looking for top quality, the intent is most likely that they care about hiring someone that's going to give them a good job, right? Um, or a good a good experience. Another one would be cheap, right? Cheap landscaper near me. We know that their intent is to buy, but we probably want to avoid them depending on the client, right? <laughs> um, and then a research would be, a research term would be, what's the difference between a landscaper and a hardscaper, right? Someone might just be looking Now, they might be somewhere in that purchase journey, but you really can't tell. And you most likely, if you have a limited budget, which most small businesses do, don't want to be spending their money on terms like that, right? So an example of a negative term that would be good to include is what is, just simply the phrase what is. I won't get into the technicals, but just include what is, and that will help you avoid a great deal of wasted spend. It goes really quickly as well. I've seen this. I've played with Google Ads over the years. We don't specialize in it. So I hand over to people like yourself to uh, to talk about this in more detail. Mm. But we've, you know, I've played with it many years ago when it was nowhere near the, the kind of structure that it is today. Mm. But I found it so simple. You throw money at it. You add keywords. You, even with negative keywords, you don't really understand it. Your, your fingers crossing it. You're watching these clicks come through on the platform 
And then you're kind of looking at your email inbox going, wait, wait, we've had a click. We've had a click. No emails are coming through. And then you quickly realize that actually, okay, wow, there's another step missing to this as well. Yeah. And I think this is where, again, a lot of people and even big companies I come across don't do very well. And this is where we do not specialize, but where we spend a lot of time. The idea of if I'm running a campaign, if I'm spending money to try and drive people for a specific reason to my website, I'm not sending them to my homepage. I'm not sending them to an overview of all the different services. I'm not sending them to the page that's got a beautiful photo of me talking. Uh, I'm sending them to a page that is 100% about the one thing that they are currently looking for. And this is something that I think is massively overlooked. So from your side, can you talk a little bit about just how important that, and I'm sure everyone's heard of it as a landing page, a sales page, a squeeze pages, whatever you want to call it, but the importance of having that kind of journey mapped out. All right. I'm so grateful you asked that question because it really is that important as a piece of the funnel. In fact, there are scenarios where we've been faced with where the business or the prospect prospective client has said, we want complete control all over our website and everything after the ad. And we're like, we can't do that. It's it's a symbiotic relationship. It is very important to make sure that when we're matching up, someone searching, targeting high quality landscaper near me, right? That there we will actually dynamically insert quality or high quality into the page right? To make sure that it's speaking the same language that they're looking for. And Google actually looks for these things because they, at the end of the day, want a, they say that, uh, no, it's very true that they want the right experience for the the customer, right? Because at the end of the day, Google's product is based on the, the experience of the, the searcher. So if they, they don't get what they are looking for, through that journey, then they're going to punish you for that and make it more expensive or just not show your, your ads. Um, but sorry, I went on the wrong tangent here. <laughs> um, the, so awkward pause. Um, landing pages are, are everything. So you, you do not want to send people to the homepage. It's, it's a conversation, right? If someone's, if someone's walking up to you and saying, hey, do you know where a landscaper is? then you probably want to tell them, yes, I know this landscaper over here. And um, and Google does a great job of that. That search result is their version of you put something in and that's a landing page. They're giving you exactly what you're looking for. So you need to do the exact same thing when when Google refers you to, to continue on that experience. And if you're not doing that, if you're just sending them to the homepage, the, the, the attention span of people today are... At minimum, if you're not, if you don't have enough money to build landing pages and do all that, I will say, make sure that you have a phone number at the top of the page right away. And obviously make it very clear what your business is. You can get away with that, but if you really want to optimize and we don't just stop at the landing page, we also go into the call tracking and the the closing of, we work with our customers to figure out what deals actually closed because we want to make sure that the entire, they're getting the return on investment, first of all, but we want to track back from what keyword led to that page that resulted in that closed business, because over time, we can refine and figure out where the money should be put if their budget is limited. And, you know, it's it's a very, digital marketing is a beautiful thing if you do it right. 
It, it is a beautiful thing. It's also becoming more and more of a complex thing. And I think it's becoming tougher and tougher. And I talk about this a lot as well, but you know, there's too many channels. There's too many different parts of each channel. You know, you talk about Instagram marketing and then you're talking about, well, Instagram has a feed and it has carousels and it has images and it's got stories and it's got IGTV and it's got reels and I'm exhausted. Right. <laughs> and that's before anything else comes out in 2021. So I think that there's a big element to understand as well that a lot of this stuff you can do yourself. Mm-hmm. However, it's a bit like me saying I can put up shelves. That's not the same as building the entire house, right? I can do some manual labor. I can do some DIY, but I can't build an entire house. And the reason why I'm saying this is because there's a lot of people that'll be like that. Yeah. You know, like I can do social, I can do ads, I can do Google AdWords, whatever it might be. You know, it's not that complex and you're right. And there's a ton of content available for free. Mm-hmm. What it takes though, is a ton of experience of actually having done it to start figuring out the pitfalls, to start figuring out where those absolute sinkholes that destroy your budget overnight, almost because you clicked the wrong button, because you didn't realize it was a daily spend, not a weekly spend or whatever else you forgot to set a limit. Uh, on your ads for that particular day, whatever it might be. And you can suddenly find yourself like, you know, brutal in this, in the position whereby you've, you've blitzed your ad budget mm-hmm. and you've ended up with nothing for it. Right. And I think that the idea of what you've talked about there is really interesting, which is it's a whole picture. It's not one thing. It's not just doing face, uh, doing Google ads. It's mm-hmm. not just about getting people to click, which then takes them to your website. It's this whole process. And I wanted to jump in a little bit to probably towards the end of the funnel or the end of the process. Mm -hmm. For me, this is really important for a lot of businesses. And we talk about this, taking the time to understand what's actually going on in your business, Mm -hmm. taking the time to understand who your clients really are, like the ones that you're working with already, taking the time to understand where they found you, how they found you, Mm -hmm. taking the time to understand where they live, what's their kind of demographic, what's their wealth bracket even. Because all of these things will help you to try and one, distinguish who this persona is that you are trying to target online. And that's going to help with everything from language on your website to copy on the ads to wherever, everything. However, it's also going to help you to look at your sales process. And this is what I'd love to understand from your point of view, because you mentioned it there and we're probably going to go down a rabbit hole now, but I'm okay with that. Um, the sales process itself, does it take you five calls to close a deal? Mm. Does it take you three calls plus two home visits plus five follow-up emails for every deal that you close? And by the way, there is no wrong answer in this. Like every business, every industry, every space has something different. Right. And the reason I'm saying that you need to understand this is because that's the driving force to then start working backwards to figure out what this actually looks like. Like if you get a lead today, does it usually take you six months to close that deal because you sell super expensive, high grade enterprise software? Great. Okay. Well, we know that that's a six month process. So anything you do today is going to take six months to show results. Mm -hmm. That's the first thing. So asking someone to get you results in three months, impossible, don't do it. But even more importantly, it's going to start you to allow you to break down what that process should look like. So what's your thoughts on this and how do you help people to kind of, because I'm guessing you've had the experience like I have. Some people don't know any of this. They've never really taken the time to look at it and really understand it in their business. Right. Absolutely. Yep. It's, it's a very important part of the, um, the discovery phase, which is before we make a decision to work together. So 
the first thing we do when we're we're learning about a new opportunity that's you know reached out to us, scheduled an appointment through our website. Uh, they'll do a quick survey so that we can understand a little bit about them, like what's the capacity. So how many more projects could they take on or clients could they handle over the next month, right? Uh, we ask about their budget, just some high level stuff. But what's really important, what you just touched on was once we get them those leads, how many of them are they going to close on average? What's the close rate? And we we try to break it down by line items. So every service that uh, like a landscaper has got a whole bunch of different services that they offer. And so each one's going to have a different close rate associated as well as the average revenue. And we also like to talk about profit margin or average net profit if they have it, which again, most businesses, it's tough, especially in service-based businesses where you've got more fixed costs. And then really it's just like, hey man, give me these three projects and then anything past that, that's all profit. So let's go. Uh, besides cost of goods, of course. And um, so we we absolutely want to understand that. And, and then as far as the um, lifetime value, are, are these clients coming back over time? Are they monthly clients? Are they maintenance clients, right? We want to understand all these aspects. And then I have to be honest, uh, I'm really excited to be getting more into the client sales cycle. We have just in the past six months, built into our process. A, um, it's, a, it's a nurturing process, right? So from af after they call or they reach out on a form, you know, we want to reach out to them within five minutes. So we have a software now that will automatically follow up with them, insert first name, hey, Joe, uh, I saw that you reached out. We look forward to speaking with you. We have an appointment nurturing scenario, you know, a day out, two hours ahead of time three minutes before, here's the link to our, our call. So we're implementing, we're beginning to implement that now with our clients. And so we actually have a, a whole drill down deep dive with our landscaping client uh, up in Fairfax, where we want to know every little detail, you know? And so to be fair um, or to be transparent and fair to this podcast, I can't speak too highly about the, the process, maybe my business partner, John, who's more ingrained in the account management side of things could, but I can say that that is over the next few years going to be absolutely critical for a marketing agency to be getting into because if they're not keeping keeping up with the, the database of leads and helping work with the customer, their customers and nurture them through the process and understand all the little details, I think that that's going to be a major disadvantage. Uh, to any agency. I think this is, again, this is, like, for me, it's one of the most fascinating parts. So we work primarily with small businesses. Mm -hmm. In the UK, small business kind of is classified as pretty much any business under 5 million. So we've had a nice wide range of sort of big um, companies that have raised funds, have the big budgets and everything else. We've also worked with, you know, mom and pops kind of style businesses. Mm -hmm. And I love both sides of it. But one of the key things that we of often do is we spend hours completely outside of scope, but also talking about these things, because you mentioned there the lifetime value of a customer. Mm -hmm. So a lot of people will go, well, yeah, but you know, it's costing me 500 quid to get one new client on board. And you're like that. Okay, cool. Like that does sound expensive. And if you're selling them a pack of chewing gum, you're doing it wrong. Right. However, if you're selling them a monthly service that costs 
500 quid and the average person uses your services for six to seven months a year, that's a very different image that you've got there of the company. Mm -hmm. And the more expensive your product is, the chances are the more expensive it's going to be to acquire a new customer. Like, unfortunately, it just is the way it is because you've got to get through the herd and find those one or two individuals that actually have the budgets. Or, you know, you're going to have to go through all the small companies to find those two big companies that could buy your enterprise software or whatever it might be. And this is something that, again, I think it happens to all of us as well. If you're running your own business, we're so busy on the day-to-day that we don't take the time to kind of, you know, step back, look at the big picture, start crunching some numbers, which I think is really important as well. Like nowadays, it's so much easier than when I first started. When I first started, we were literally using like an Excel sheet for our accounts. Uh, Today, you know, you're using products like Xero for your accountancy. You just go in and you can click on all your clients and it will just show you all the revenues you've ever created from all of those clients. Take the complete total, divide it by the number of clients you've got. You've now got an average lifetime value of each client. Now, when you start to look at those numbers, you'll probably be quite shocked because you have repeat purchases. You've got people that come back. You've got people, and especially in your industry as well, I'm guessing there's like seasonal trends, uh, which will make a difference, right? People wanting the garden to be ready, you know, about this time of year, March, April, uh, and they're going right quick. Now get the garden ready so that I can really enjoy it this summer uh, or preparing things for winter, anything like that. But these are the, the details that a lot of people overlook. And I think that they're hugely powerful, one, but two, They can also, one, make you a lot of money and two, save you a lot of money, Mm. understanding what that actually looks like. Right. Yeah, absolutely. Um, And you mentioned database, DVR, that's a technical term for database recovery campaigns, uh, which is something that I think a a lot of businesses, they understand it, but they don't think about how can I implement it in a way that doesn't break their company or it's too overwhelming to think about let's just focus on the business we currently have. They they don't understand that if you use a software that's available today to reach out to, let's say you have 200 customers over the past 10 years that you've worked with, all you have to do is submit a simple campaign through a software and you might get 10%, 20% of those customers to reactivate and be current customers again. And that's that's huge. And then you did touch on um, cost of acquisition, which I just wanted to point out that that is where we, in order to get that number, we have to understand what is their close rate. And that's why it's so important to ask yourself these questions and really document all the details about your business. Because when you're a business owner, you sure you can go with your gut. And at the end of the day, I actually feel that I've hindered myself a lot because I, I overthink and analyze every part of our business a little too much. Uh, but it never hurts to, to understand these key metrics. Your sales is everything to your business. If you can't, obviously retention is nice too, and it depends on the business model. But if you don't have your sales metrics down, then you got nothing, right? <laughs> well, it's, it's the old, um, I think it's Peter Drucker that was kind of coined the term, but it, what gets measured gets improved. Mm. And What's so silly is that by businesses not knowing any of this data at any point, it's very hard to know whether or not you're doing okay right now. I don't know. And are you doing better? Well, you you have no benchmarks. Mm -hmm. So taking that kind of snapshot of your business and actually, you know, doing it for 
pretty much everything. This sounds really silly, but you know, for your social channels, mm. getting a feel for where you actually are. Like, where are you right now? If you're going to put effort into social, where are you right now? Total number of people, total number of messages in the last 30 days, 90 days, last year, if you want. But get a sense of what actually happened and just jot it down in an Excel spreadsheet or a Google sheet. And you've just got the date today. And then you've got all these stats. And then you go off and you implement all these new things. And you're trying and you're putting in more effort and one thing or another. A month down the line, you can check where you're at. Right. Two months down the line, you can check where you're at. Right. Six months down the line, you could check where you're at. If you don't know this info, if you don't know what the lifetime value is, you won't know if it's getting bigger or smaller. Mm. If you don't know what your cost per acquisition is right now, how much are you spending overall and how much does it cost compared to how many leads you've actually closed, you can't know whether you're improving that number unless you actually know what that number is. Right. And I think that's hugely important. Digital space, it's even more important and it's there's no excuses. Mm. Everything is no available excuses. to you. I love that. Yes. But it's true. There <laughs> yeah. is no reason not to do this because it's all there. Like right now, go into your Google Analytics and you can know exactly how many people are finding your website because of search traffic, direct traffic, whatever else. And I know it's a little bit kind of more complex than that, but on average, yeah. as a starting measurement, that's an amazing way to go. Right. So if you're going to put effort into SEO, if you're going to put effort into social media, if you're going to put effort into any particular thing, mm -hmm. track the numbers so that you know where you are now. And so that you can then look at where you are in six months or every month and see that those numbers are going in the right direction, or actually are they going in the wrong direction? Mm. Crap, you're doing something wrong. You need to fix this. Right. But I think it's huge. The, the missed opportunity, let's call it when you don't know, and you don't understand the data behind the business. Right. The lack of awareness. Right. And I'm not sure if it's just because businesses have found it it improves the retention rate unfortunately to not make their clients aware of these data points how but again i i love when you said no excuses i really feel like it is the responsibility of a digital marketing agency or you know anyone that has to do with marketing from a digital perspective it's in my opinion an obligation that they should be tracking everything and reporting on it to their clients because it's it's there it's like two sides of the spectrum how could you not um, take the time to set up the tracking to be able to then show and report on you know i think a lot of people are like oh it's an extra step and sure for the first few months when i got into it you know i'm just learning uh, you know five years ago six when we got really into lead gen like i remember when we discover the beauty of tracking and everything and I'm like, crap, we don't have months of this data for this client. This is so embarrassing. Right. And, um, now it's just common sense, but it's still, I don't think it is common sense for everyone. Right. And I, I think that's really one of the biggest frustrations I have. And it's a, a big reason why I built this software, um, for the world that I can't wait to bring it to the world is because it gives that awareness that is missing in today's market where I don't think, first of all, it's taken extreme amount of effort, tears, whatever you want to say to get this software to its ability to show opportunity to businesses and agencies is around Google ads specifically. So it'll, it'll say for this specific business model in this specific area, this is the true demand based on historical data that in the average cost per lead and how many leads you can expect to get 
on average. Obviously, it's just a prediction, but it's actually pretty accurate from using it for a couple of years now. And without that type of that insight, you really are just playing a, a guessing game unless you are an actual experienced agency that has a track record of success and a very when it comes to Google ads, it's niche specific. So you could be doing this performance for this industry. And then you go over here and you're like, yeah, you'll expect the same thing. And it's like, no, it's a completely different game, you know? And we were talking about it um, earlier, you know, Google or agencies, marketing agencies versus marketing our clients. We put 16 grand into Google ads and we hardly got anything from that. Another embarrassing metric we have found that, and that's all we, it's not all we do, but that's what we're, you know, we're very proud of. Um, that's our flagship service. We do social media too. And we've, we've really gone much more into social when we discovered that uh, that was where our, we were getting our best ROI. So like last week we were getting a $19 cost per appointment for new leads, which was for that week, incredible. The week after it was a hundred, but still, <laughs> It's a lot better than thousands of dollars for a lead coming in from Google ads. But when it comes to landscapers, you know, for the, we just did the, we're, we're actually putting a case study together for the guy up in Fairfax and we got him 351 uh, landscaping leads with a focus on hardscaping. So a majority of them being hardscaping and that including our costs, you know, baked in to the average, it's an average of $59 per lead. And so that is a no brainer for them when they're making thousands of dollars of profit per job. And that's also the beauty. If you don't try and hide it or avoid it, um, then your retention rate goes through the roof. He's, he's very happy. He's not going anywhere um, because he's now discovered the beauty of handing off, you know, letting the experts do what they do so he can focus on what he does. And we've doubled the size of his business in three months. That's huge what you said there as well, which is the, you just let the experts do what the experts do. And again, I know because, and you know, as well, you start a small business, you are on your own. You're your only expert. You got to figure out everything. You're swapping hats 20, every 20 minutes trying to deal with things. But you know, the first thing that most small businesses do once they get enough revenue is you hire an accountant or a bookkeeper, because let's face it, that crap is complex, boring as sin, unless you like it. Uh, But also (laughs) if you get it wrong, you can go to jail, right? You can't mess up your taxes and not show things and actually forget 20 grand off the the books at the end of the year. You know, people get upset about these things. So you end up (laughs) taking on somebody to deal with that. And I think what's really well, it can be problematic. And I say this again, if you're in those early stages, you've got to do everything yourself. You don't have those budgets, but as you start to get budgets, get an expert to build your website, get an expert to do your social media. And when I say an expert, I'm going to be really clear about this. And I'm going to be posting something on LinkedIn probably later today about it. There's an advert that keeps coming up on my social media, hire a social media expert for just 300 pounds a month. And I'm like that. Cool. Like, you know, I'm going to start an advert that says, I'll write you a tweet for £1.50. I mean, it's not going to be a good tweet. It's not going to convert anyone. It's going to have nothing of any interest to do with who you are. But I'll scribble down, you know, 260 or 280 characters for you and just send it across. Just give me a pound 50. Sweet. Done. This is the best job ever. Like, literally, it'll take me 30 seconds and I can knock out hundreds of these every hour and I'll, I'll pull in some good money. This is great. That's not right. how this works. And the same thing is true with your Google AdWords. And I know what 
I know the position everyone's in. I've been there. We all have when we first started, but you need to work towards that building up of, right, I've got enough money. I'm going to do something, do it properly. Find someone that you get on well with, that you can work with. I think this is super important as well. No matter how flashy their results and everything else, if you just don't vibe with the person when you first meet, don't do it. Find somebody else. But you know, find the right people to do the right jobs, get professionals in agencies, freelancers, even as long as they've got the backing to showcase that, but do these things and do them properly because otherwise what ends up happening. And I've had hundreds of these conversations over the years. People will tell me that social media doesn't work. Google AdWords doesn't work. My website isn't how I get business. And I've had all of these conversations. Video doesn't work. And it all comes down to, yeah, like, you know, my brother's nephew's girlfriend recorded <laughs> this video for me and she threw it up on social right. media and that didn't convert anyone for us. And why not video shit? It doesn't work. All of those things. So I really do. I, I'm pushing hard to say that, but get yourself into a position, choose one thing to start with, but get professionals that can help you and that can actually realistically, hopefully not steal your money, but actually say to you with this budget, you're not going to be able to do this. Or with that kind of budget, right. you've got to lower your expectations. There's a chance this won't work. Real right. agencies that care will have those conversations with you. They will say, right. you know, we can't guarantee results. However, we can tell you that in previous campaigns, we've got numbers that look like this. All of those things for me are really important. George, before we wrap up, there's something that we were talking about and your new software, which I'm kind of excited about because I think this could be very interesting as well. Your new software, you've built, you've been working on this for years and you've been honing a way of basically taking all this inputted data and the output that comes from Google and finding ways to actually get the right balance for different clients in different industries. You're now in a right. position where you'd like to get this in front of some lucky people to have a look at and to see what this would look like and see how this would work. So I'm going to hand over to you to give people a little bit of the spiel about it so they can understand it better because I'm probably not describing it very well, um, but also to let them know how they can get in touch with you to be able to actually get involved in this process. Okay. Yeah. Thank you, Chris. Um, I, I, I touched on it a little bit earlier when I mentioned you know having the ability for a business to say, I'm a landscaper or I'm a lawyer or whatever the case may be and say, all right, I'm going to look for Google or a marketing agency and I have no idea what to expect. Or I've been burned in the past and I still am confused. Was I wrong? Were they wrong? You know, what's going on here? And so what this software is going to provide is that clarity that's really missing right now. It is a keyword planner at the end of the day. However, we try to look past all the chaotic you know, or complex keyword aspect of it and really break it down into to layman's terms for business owners. So what we've done is create a process where businesses can answer a list of questions, uh, really, you know, do you do installs? Do you do repairs? Um, you know, a commercial versus residential. It's all about that intent that we were talking about earlier. And so they give us all the answers to what they care about Maybe they don't want to do tar roofs. They only want to do shingle or tile, right? Uh, if we're talking about a roofer or maybe just hardscape. So anyways, the point is this software is going to allow them to turn on and off these variables and show them the actual expectations for their market. So they'll pick you know, their specific county or cities or multiple markets, states even. And then it's going to say, 
This is the, the demand. So this is how many leads on average over the next 12 months. For each month, it'll be different depending on the industry uh, for sure because seasonality plays a role there. And then this is the cost per lead you know, per month on average. And then if you were to do 12 months or if you were to do you know, for this month alone, how much do you think you need to spend for Google, right? And then I'm I'm considering, do we want to put in like an, an agency budget calculator that will then calculate that into the cost per lead so that they can really break it down for their own business? Does it make sense? And I, so I'm looking for businesses that would be willing to look at what we currently have. We've, we, we've been using this process for years now in-house, but we've actually taken the time to to hire a business analyst uh, with a development background to, to take all the logic, extract it from the way we've been doing it and build it into uh, hundreds of pages of product requirement documentation. And so we're at the point where we want to build it, but we have been given some really good advice that we should probably speak to as many people as we can, show them the mock-ups of what the screens could look like if we built it, show them and just get a bunch of feedback. And so uh, I'm looking for anyone under the sun. It do, you don't have to be a landscaper. You don't have to be any specific industry. Um, if you'd like to see what we're working on, uh, please reach out to me on LinkedIn. My name is George. Uh, you'd probably be helpful to type my middle name, Grandis, which is G-R-A-N-D-I-S, Copeland. And I'm sure Chris will link and just reach out to me. Um, send me a message, say, hey, I'd love to schedule a call. And that would be super helpful. And if you do need help from a consulting perspective, just to, if you have any questions about Google Ads, I'd love to speak to you. No pressure. There's multiple different stages or life cycles of a business and not everyone is ready um, to, to pull the trigger on a, on a bigger agency uh, expense. Um, but I do want to point out that one of the biggest hurdles we have when we try and get new customers is that leap of faith scenario. And it's important to address the fact that if you do go with someone cheap, right, that there's not just the the chance that you're not going to get the results that you were hoping for with that, but you have to, t to take into account, calculate the cost of your operating capital. So depending on the, the business, not only did you not get what you were hoping for with them, but now a month, maybe three months later, you've just spent all this money on overhead and you're actually worse off than if you had just spent that, you know, coughed up the initial funds um, to get the results you actually needed. Right. So is, is that a good summary, Chris? I think so. Yeah. I was going to say, you know, often the case is uh, buying cheap is expensive and buying expensive is cheap. And, you know, I'm not saying that that means go for the most expensive agency, because that's probably not the right results that you're looking for. But what I do mean by that is, you know, if something sounds too good to be true, i.e. all your social media taken care of for 300 pounds, uh, that to me means nothing. You know, that's it's a nonsense thing, uh, depending on how many posts, what kind of posts do you need professionally created videos? Do you need animated explainer videos? Who's the target audience? Are you going to need to spend money on ads? Are you, you know, there's a thousand questions that should be asked before somebody even gives you a price. So that's the main thing. And again, I really believe in this, find the right relationship. 
you know, if you don't get on with the people that you're going to have to work with and you're entrusting with your hard-earned cash to invest and they don't really seem to get on with you, they don't have an interest in you, your business, your niche, they don't really understand who you guys are, then it's going to fail as well because the key thing, and again, we actually cancel contracts. Like we don't really do contracts anymore, but we work month to month, but we will stop working with people if there is friction, if it's not a good relationship. If every time we present something, they're like that, no, that's not what we want. We want this. It's not because I think I'm right all the time. It's because I'm doing things based on objectives, based on our KPIs, what we're trying to achieve as a business for them. And also more importantly, I'm also doing it with, you know, 12 years experience doing this. Whereas if you've got that good relationship whereby if you say, look, I'm trying to do more of this, what could we do? And the, the agency says, you could do this, this, this. And you think that's fantastic. Let's do this because you're all on the same page. You're going to find that you're getting 10 times better results. The content coming out is going to be more fun, more creative. You're going to enjoy the process more. So that's the main thing that I kind of think that's important. But George, this has been absolutely awesome. Um, I want access to, I, I want a call with you to see this because this sounds incredible. I'm looking forward to checking that out. Uh, in the meantime, I will drop links so that you can find George in the show notes and on the website. But George, thank you so much for coming on today. Thank you, Chris. This is great. The All About Digital Marketing podcast is brought to you by Social Inc., a distributed digital marketing agency specialized in delivering results through online campaigns. Whether it's content marketing, social media marketing, online advertising, or web design, we've got you covered from strategy through to delivery. If you're struggling with your digital marketing, get in touch today by simply visiting www.socialinc.co.